0: gun line gun line gun line
1: we got a fire mission coming down for that ass i'm your host lopez and you're listening to the on the gun line podcast where we shoot the shit like we did in the past so go on and pop a squat because it's about to get hot right now you're on the gun line now with me today i have a, a a new person i've never met before veteran uh spent a hell of a lot of time in the military we'll find out about him he's now a motivational speaker and um, he will pump you up because he has this fucking motto that it just gets my blood pumping. but uh thank you uh, for coming here. Welcome on the gun line, Mr. Ernie or Ernie Mariscal. Thank you for being here, brother.
2: Hey, I really appreciate you having me, man. It's such an honor and a privilege to do this because you know what? We need more of this in the world. We need to push more, you know motivation and inspiration to our people, especially our veterans that need it right now we're we're all pissed off right now. Fact. And, you know, and and it, we just got to keep those emotions in check. You know, still, we got a we life to live. We got a family to take care of and including ourselves take care of us. That mental health and, you know, being emotional and pissed off ain't going gonna, ain't gonna to help us.
1: Exactly, dude. Exactly. And, you know, there's those veterans out there that, you know, like ourselves. I don't know if we went to Afghanistan or not, um, but I spent some time out there and, you know, just – knowing it almost feels like the shit that we did over there was almost in vain, but you know, we'll get into that a little bit and we're going to learn how to keep up the fight, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and for those that don't know, that's his, uh, that's his motto. And I fucking love it. That shit just, it gets my dick hard, man. But uh with that said, Ernie, uh tell us a little about yourself, man. Where are you from?
2: Okay. I'm from, uh well, actually I was born in Uvalde, Texas. Okay. i from San Antonio. Yeah. And, so we moved to Southern California, a little, uh, uh farm town, uh, in Brawley, California. Orale,
1: Imperial County, right? Yeah, yeah.
2: Yes. So I grew up here. I graduated and well, let me back it up a little bit more. Yeah. So, um, growing up, I, uh, went through a lot of trauma. You know, I went through sexual abuse, uh, I went through physical abuse. I was kicked out at 16 years old, lived on the streets, dropped out of school, fucking went back to school, graduated, and then I joined the United States Army.
1: Holy shit.
2: Yeah, man. But, you know, here's the thing. You know, the first I want to say is this. I'm not looking for sympathy. I'm not looking for anybody to feel sorry for me because that's not the case. Because where I'm at now, I am so far from that. But it will always be a part of me. But it won't fucking define me. There you, you know go. There you There's go. There's choices. There's choices to be made in everything that you go through. You know what? You get knocked down, you still have a fucking choice to get the fuck up. God you
1: damn. know what I'm saying? So and so uh, if you don't mind, so you overcame that adversity. I mean, at a young age, that's freaking that's pretty hard shit to, to you know push through. I mean, um yeah. it did it did it lead you towards any like uh negative. Um, any negative situation that you were involved in prior to you bettering yourself and joining the military?
2: Oh, fuck you. I was a fuck up, man. I was always getting in trouble in school. I was always fighting. I was just totally um, <laughs> a negative person. See? Yeah. But the thing was, I was feeling sorry for myself. I had so much anger built up. I had so much pain built up and I didn't know how to release it. Right. I didn't know how to. I I didn't have an outlet to that. Right. So what I did is, you know, I just produced more negativity and and this is what I like to call it. I projected it onto other people, other kids that were in my school. You know, fighting them, telling telling them they were a piece of shit, telling them they were no good. You know, just being negative all the way around. Right. I think times that I I see kids that are, you know, doing, um, not that great. I always look for the root of the problem rather than look at the kid itself. You know. Yeah. There's always something that creates something. Right. That makes sense. Yep. So, so I was going through a lot of things in my life and, you know, eventually I got into drugs as well. And of course the typical, you know, just fuck up. And then I got kicked out. Right. from my my house. So again, I was, I was living on the streets. Uh, So all that, again, all that pent up frustration and anger I had, um, just created a negative me. So, Going with that, um, when I, what got me back on track going back to school was, um, I think I was about 17 years old and I was hanging out at a crack house. Okay. And man, I, I, I was so freaking hungry, man. And so I went into this kitchen trying to find something to eat. And I opened up the refrigerator, you know, I only saw a gallon of milk and I looked in the cupboard, you know, looking for something, nothing. So I grabbed the milk and I grabbed a cup and I poured the milk into a cup. Nothing but freaking roaches came out, man. Oh shit. <laughs> so I was like, oh. fuck. <laughs> you know, I put the I, I threw the milk away and I put the milk back and I just went back to, to the room that I was sitting in. I was drinking a beer, in fact. Okay. And, and and no shit, man, somebody kicks the door open and I got a gun in my face asking me where the fucking drugs were at and shit like that. I was like, man, I don't have no drugs, you know. Right. and, and in that moment, that's where it was like, what the fuck have I done? What have I done in my life? In that moment, that's when I realized, like, you know what? I could be so pissed off in life. I could be so angry. I could be, you know, so much pain. But it's not going to solve shit. Right. All I'm doing is putting more pain upon me. You know, I could blame, you know, everybody and anything in the world. I could do that. Right. You know, but what does that do for me?
1: Exactly. So you stop feeling sorry for yourself. At that exactly point. and i yeah. mean it's crazy that you're able to self identify that at such a young age you know i mean cuz there's a lot of people that they get stuck in that trap and i mean i grew up in south central la and i was definitely one of those cats that you know was a i don't want to say a product of my environment but i came to the realization that if i kept going in the steps that i was there was only two options death prison, prison. so you know I had to make that choice and you no, know, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm fucking chucking deuces. And I moved out of LA all the way across the other side of the fucking country to Miami. I mean, it wasn't any, it was a lot better than the situation I was in, but I was still making stupid choices, but uh, well, so um, in your, in, in your family, was there any uh, history of military service?
2: Um, Yes. My grandfather served in world war two, my sure. Um, my other grandfather served in the Korea War, and I think those were the only two that I and my uncles served, but they didn't go to combat. OK. Um, so, yeah, so I did have it. But I always remembered watching like, you know, war shows or war stories. And I was like, man, I want to be a soldier. Right. So that was always in the back of my mind. You know, always playing soldier or war with our friends. You know, shit right. like that. So all that shit was fucking every time I saw a soldier or. You know, um, freaking, I think I was remember in the 80s, because I'm 49, by the okay. way, I'm fucking old. But, uh, <laughs> I'm remember, right behind you,
1: brother. I'm 43. I'm right behind you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I remember when, in the 80s, Navy SEALs, that movie came out, and I was yeah. like, fuck, I want to be a Navy SEAL. You know, all that fucking bullshit.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But it was like, um, but I was so much in trouble. So, anyway, that inspired me to become you know, or go into the military, so I did, I uh, made that decision, actually, my mom helped me with that, because she was okay. like, you know what, you graduated, you're not going to be here, you're going to leave, you're going to go, Yeah. Um. and that was the best decision of my life, even though I was scared as hell, because i I'd never been away by myself, you know?
1: Oh, shit, <laughs> well, shit, you <laughs> so, were, you were just, what, a kid, right, fresh out of high school, like 18?
2: Yeah, 18.
1: Wow, dude, it's amazing that at 18, we think we know it all, and then, when you're in your 40s, you realize you didn't know shit, you know? <laughs> exactly.
2: Fuck yeah. And so, okay, so I joined up. You know, honestly, I didn't even know what the hell I was doing or what I was going to become. I remember them telling me, oh, okay, you're going to be a, a 45 Tango. I was like, I don't know, whatever that is. Yeah. It's a, a Bradley fighting vehicle systems turret mechanic. I was like, right, okay, whatever, whatever the fuck that is.
0: Right. So,
2: so I went to basic training at Fort Sill, Oklahoma.
0: Yeah. Fort
1: Chill, baby.
2: Echo. Yeah, Echo three, three, two, one. I still remember my basic training, <laughs> and and I got a funny story with that. So I got to the transition barracks, which basically were fucking nothing. So we just ate and slept. That's all we did for. Right. Our, I think it was like three days, and I remember on the third day I was standing in formation, thinking, "Man, is this the fucking army? This shit's fucking easy, man." <laughs> And I remember saying that, and I remember our, our cadre came out and he goes, alright, your, um, your class uh, cycle's about to begin for basic training. Right. I was like, what? what? the fuck is that? So, right. no shit. Three fucking cattle trucks pull up. Oh, yeah. And then you start seeing like about six guys walking towards us at a very high rate of speed. <laughs> with pissed off faces, you know. Uh, round browns and these motherfuckers are fucking big man i mean mm-hmm. like muscular dudes and they just come at us man yelling and all this shit man i was like what the fuck is going on man? Yeah, right and me i'm short so we you know you better get on the fucking cattle truck in fucking two seconds or i'm gonna pull everybody out and you're gonna fucking start you know getting smoked and push mm-hmm. up and all this shit i'm like oh fuck i'm fucking rolling you get in there <laughs> It was just chaos, man. I was yeah. sweating. It was, it was just again, it was straight chaos, man. So we got smoked that whole entire day till I, I think it was like midnight.
0: <laughs> and
2: finally, they told us to go to bed. Went to bed. They woke us up like at three o'clock in the morning. Get the fuck up. Get the yeah. fuck outside. You know, it was just constant, man. And looking back at it, I, I understand what they were doing. They were, you know, causing chaos just everybody to start gelling and working as a team said, Hey, check this out. This is what you're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. Create leaders, man, leaders within. Right. And, you know, people fall in and line and shit like that. So, you know, it was a good thing that we did that. Um, it was very good. I think they stopped doing that shit now. I don't, I don't know. I, I think they like shake your hand and <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: dude, uh, it's become more of a, um, of an all inclusive army from what I hear. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say I had it as tough as you did because I didn't come in until 2004. So um, we still had the cattle cars, though. And same as you, bro, I got to the 95th Adjutant General at Fort Sill, Oklahoma, and it was during the Thanksgiving weekend. So it was pretty fucking lax, you know, and we were in those transition barracks that you're talking about. And I remember the same thought, like, This is the fucking army. No wonder they get clowned on, man. This shit is too fucking easy, right? Man, that we have a wake up call? Because as soon as the break was over, the cattle cars pull up, drill sergeants come out, and they lined you up. And I mean, they're just looking at you like you're the biggest piece of shit. I still remember one drill sergeant by the name, drill sergeant Beato. Uh, He's an officer now. He's probably retired now. But this motherfucker, Dominican, had that accent, and he was like... Welcome to hell, privates. Bow your heads and pray. And don't worry about pussy because you're the pussy and you're going to get fucked, privates. And I'm like, what the fuck did I just fucking, uh, you know, get myself into? And I remember just having my eyes closed in the cattle cars, rolling. And then you hear the fucking going over the railroad tracks. Just boom. boom. Yes, I remember that. I
2: remember that that shit.
1: That's when the real shit began because now you're in the fucking trade-off area. Holy shit. It was a get off the fucking cattle carts, foots in your ass, carry your... Oh, my God, bro. And Like you said, and it was chaos. Like you said, it was complete chaos, but uh, yeah, it all served a purpose at the end, which was to break us out of our civilian fucking mind frame and begin to build us into the soldiers we were supposed to be. Or that we were to, to become, you know, and that was meant also to weed out the weak, you know, mm-hmm. and now you can't do that because everybody gets a chance to be a soldier. Yeah, everybody should have the opportunity, but you know what? If you can't cut it, get the fuck out. Get out. You know, Let's it's not what, for everybody.
2: Yeah, and you know what? I totally agree with, uh, you know, like you said, get the fuck out. But here's the thing. In combat, there's chaos. Mm hmm. And if you can't handle fucking people yelling at you and try to get you in line, combat's not going to be the place for you, man. You're going to fucking, it's not about, you know, trying to be inclusive or whatever the fuck it is, because you're going to get people killed in combat.
0: Exactly. That's
2: not the place to fucking learn or, or you know, see the failures. The yep. failures are going to be back home. That's yep. when we take people out. And, and that's what it was. Dude, I remember we're, uh, you know, into basic, uh, I think it was like a month or so. And I remember this kid, he was from, I think it was from Miami too, a Puerto Rican dude. Mm. And one of the drill sergeants said, it told him something, you know, lock it up or whatever it was. And he goes, I ain't going to do it. And Ooh. I remember the drill sergeant grabbing, grabbing him by the blouse and throwing him on the ground and dragging him behind the formation. <laughs> and it, it was so crazy because when he did that, it was like three other drill sergeants came from fucking nowhere. I was like, what the mm-hmm. fuck? So they're all behind us. You know, we can't see shit. But right. we can hear everything. We hear like, oh, oh, you know, all these noises. Yeah. Fucking, you know, the drill sergeant comes back in front of the formation, like breathing hard and he's fixing his blouse. He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> He was like, did you guys see anything? And we're like, oh, we didn't see shit. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I tell you what, that motherfucker was straight up after that. He was, hey, do this.
1: we had a similar incident um with a joe uh old pinto i will never forget pinto pinto had that i'm still back on the block attitude you know what i mean that a lot of us still had i mean i was older already i was already in my fucking mid-20s late 20s when i joined this cat was still young fresh off the block so he thought he was gonna run shit you know he thought he was king shit bro and I'll give him credit for having the balls to do what he did, but um, we had this one drill sergeant, man, drill sergeant Bauer. Um, he was an ex-marine, transitioned to the fucking army, and they happened to give him a fucking round brown while they were at it. So uh, yeah. he's in there talking shit, you know. He had that whole old school drill drill uh, instructor voice, you know, and telling everybody, "I don't give a fuck, privates. If I tell you to do something, you better fucking do it." Little short white dude, man. And Pinto like chuckled, like, Psh. and he's like, what, private? And he's like, can't put your hands on us. He's like, private, if I tell you I'm going to choke slam you, I'm going to fucking choke slam you. And he's like, yeah, right. Bro, he picked the wrong motherfucker to do that to. Drill Bauer just executed a fucking half left face, started walking towards him, raised his fucking hand up, boom, slammed the fuck out of him into the goddamn wall locker guarantee you yes. he never fucking taught he never talked shit back to the drill sergeants ever again and like you said the drill sergeants and this was an nco corps back then that i came up in as mm-hmm. well they all gather around and you know they made sure that everything was taken care of squared away and good to go nobody snitched nobody saw nothing it was part of what was expected to be it was part of the military culture then you know yes. it's not for the weak and because like you said when we're in combat when the bullets are fucking flying, I'm not gonna be saying, "Hey man, can can you go get me those that ammo over there, please? Hand me that AT4. I, I ain't got time for that, chief. You know we got to be hopping and popping. So, but yeah. so um, that's crazy. I mean, what was your experience like with your recruiter? I mean, like, well, you say you didn't have any fucking idea what you were getting into anyway, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so um, after when you first got in, did you figure that you were gonna make this a career, or was it gonna be like maybe three years and I'm out, or just
2: um? Well, in basic, I was like, man, what the fuck did I get into? You know, as soon as I could get, you know, get out. I remember I did sign up for four years. Okay. And I remember telling my the four years I'm fucking out. Right. But, you know, so after I graduated, uh, I remember we had a party at the Gunners Inn and the, and the, uh, we had honor platoon. So uh, we had a party. We had like caves and shit. Damn. Man, we got fucked up that night. <laughs> Hell yeah. So that was cool. Um, But I remember when I went to my first duty station, which was Fort Riley, Kansas.
0: Ooh, okay.
2: The middle of fucking nowhere. So mm-hmm. what I learned there, when I got to my duty station and I was in the motor pool, you know, we had Briley's. Yeah. And that's when I learned I was probably the only you know, Hispanic dude, Mexican dude, um, in my section at least, and mm-hmm. maybe one or two in the other sections. It was, right. there wasn't that many of us. So I knew that I had to do something. So in order to, you know, to come up, man, to become better, mm-hmm. I started grabbing manuals. Okay. My FMs and ARs and all this shit. And I started reading, I'd take them home, read, 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 read. Yeah, And I started fucking fixing shit. I was the fucking man. I was the fucking best leader. You know, I would be that guy. I'll do it. You know, I'll fucking, I'll make it happen. So I became that guy that, you know, everybody counted on. You know, get Mariscal, He'll fucking do it. You know, he'll make it happen. Right. And then I got promoted to sergeant. And then I started running, you know, I started having soldiers.
0: Mm -hmm. And
2: that's when I realized, you know what? I'm not going to be that guy that's going to shift blame, point fingers, anything like that. I'm going to own, own what I do. And for the people that work for me, I'm going to make them, you know, better than who I am. Right. That's my, that's my goal. So again, I became better by investing in myself rather than being that, that guy that, that NCO that was scared to, to make decision that was, you know, afraid of whatever it is. If I, if I needed to say something, I spoke my mind. Mm -hmm. So and then i noticed like man you get respect with that shit you get you you earn that respect and that's right. when i started working hard and i just became better and better and i was like man i love this
1: shit.
2: <laughs> i, I actually love this shit.
1: you know it's funny you mentioned that you know you, you took the initiative to fucking better yourself to take those fms those tms learn the ars you know um There's some motherfuckers that do that for the spotlight, not the spotlight per se, but because there's ass kissers and there's motherfuckers that actually do the shit because I mean, there's motherfuckers that want to be leaders. You know what I mean? And there's always a difference. You can tell the difference between the shit bag, ass kissing motherfucker that just wants to lick the, the, the siren's ass to get promoted. Right. That never, but there's NCOs that like that shit. I never understood that, you know, and then you have those hard chargers that, you know, they want to learn and then not only be successful, but they want their soldiers to be successful. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's the type of leadership I luckily came up under, that my chief, you know, he understood that we were direct reflections of our leadership. You know what I'm saying?
2: Bam. See, and, that, and that's one of the major things that I always said. You know, I remember when, you know, Sergeant Majors would see me, they would be like, hey, Sergeant major Scott, hey, I want to give you a coin. I'd be like, I don't want a coin but let me get you um, one of my guys and you can give him a coin. He deserves right. it. You know? And I look back at it now, I maybe have like five, 10 coins mm-hmm. and I see these guys with fucking racks of coins and I'm like, God damn. But I'm glad I did what I did. You know, <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, fuck, I should have kept some coins. <laughs> right. like, you know what? My guys, you know what? My guys deserved it. Yeah. I wanted them to have that you know, motivation to know that they're kick- kicking ass. It, exactly. And
1: Exactly, dude. I
2: was that type of NCO,
1: though. See, I got my coin. I got my little coin rack in the back right here too. But um, I remember the, this one specific time that there was like a coin I was given out by. I don't know. If she was a one star from the Air Force for a static display that we did from Fort Carson out to um to the Air Force base to Peterson, yeah. and I was like, you know, I I was I didn't want to keep it myself. I wanted to give it to one of the Joes. But I also wanted to test what one of my new NCOs, what his fucking thought process was. So like, hey, schnobs well, schnobble, sorry, schnobble, um, you got this coin here. What do you think? Um, I can give it to you. Or what do you think we should do with it? And he was like, no, nah, don't give it to me. Let's give it to so-and-so, to private so-and-so. He worked his ass off out there, you know, while we were occupying with the howitzer. Like, you know what? This motherfucker is going to make it, bro. And that impressed okay. me, you know, and it's awesome because now that I see him, I still got him on Facebook. That motherfucker is a sign first class now, you know, so and he went up quick. And it's great to see that I had something to do in, in a way, something to, to develop that guy to become a leader that he is now. You know what I mean? And I, Grant, I was not the greatest fucking NCO. I was an asshole. I, I'll be the first to admit that there were a lot of opportunities for me to um, that I could have corrected. But at the same time, my leadership style wasn't, I wasn't the type that could just get shit done with motherfuckers. I don't know how some motherfuckers do it. Like, they're just like really calm and be like, hey, get this shit done, get it done. the end." Me, I guess because I grew up in an environment where we, there was a lot of yelling, you know, to get the point across. It was just emphasizing. It wasn't out of hate. I treated everybody equally shitty. You know what I mean? That was the biggest Mm -hmm. thing. If I treat you shitty, I'm treating everybody equally shitty. You know, but at the same time, it was because I also thought it was easier to go in an asshole and then pull back and be laid back than coming in laid back and then trying to be an asshole when you needed to because people weren't going to listen to you. You know what I mean? It's just, I don't know. In my thought process, it makes sense. So, um, So you spent how many years in the Army? 21 years. 21 years holy shit so you yeah. retired did you retire or did you uh, get med boarded or how did that work I, out i retired hell yeah 21 so what year did you come in
2: i came in in uh 1991
1: holy I went shit. 91 and holy did you uh did you hit a uh, boots and ground in kuwait or did you miss that deployment
2: I missed it. And that was another thing I wanted to join because I wanted to go to combat. I wanted yeah. to go
1: to Desert uh, Storm. Hell, so yeah. One of my brothers, he uh, he served um, in Desert Storm and um, the Marine Corps. He was a tanker, and he's one of the ones that pumped me up, bro. Porque he was telling me stories of, like, the fucking tank battles and all this shit. So uh, I'm a 13-year-old kid. I'm like, fucking mind blown, bro. Dude, oh. so um, your first duty station... Was that your only duty station or did you um, expand and go to different locations as well?
2: Yeah, so I went uh Fort Riley. I was there for three and a half years. Okay. Uh, went to Fort Bliss, Texas. <laughs> yeah, that was... Well, you know what? I loved the people there, man. I, I had a great time there.
1: Well, I'm sure you felt um, at home.
2: <laughs> <what the fuck laughs> yeah, man. Oh, dude, I used to fucking... I used to party hard over there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and that was when you could still go across the border, right? Without any fucking papers or not. Just go in, back and forth like nothing. Yep, I remember
2: shit. that,
1: shit, man. Dude, how did um your first duty station differ from your second? Like, you went as an NCO already then, right?
2: Or you were yes. still okay? I was E five when I went to Fort Bliss, but I would say the unit wasn't that great. But the environment, where, like I said, I, I was on a softball team, so that's all I played mm-hmm. softball. Fucking partied a lot with the civilians. So it, that was the best side of it, or a good side of it. So it, it, it balanced out. But, yeah, so after that, I, I went to Korea. After that, I went to 1-9 Infantry in Korea. Oh, shit. Yeah. Camp KC yeah. Camp Hovey. <laughs> uh, Camp Hovey, yeah. I was over there in Tokori, man.
1: Oh, yeah. Did you get to meet the midget? <laughs>
2: yes, I did. That was, uh, the <laughs> Olymp- <laughs> Olymp- Olympus? Olympus, wasn't it? Olympus or something like that.
1: Dude, they, they changed the name so many times because they get a uh, – Black, they get blacklisted, so they have to change their names for us ah. to be able to go see them. But oh, yeah, dude, oh, that's fucking awesome. So, well, let me ask you something in these times because this was uh early 90s, mid 90s, and that uh, you were going through. Um, how was the uh diversity in the military at the time as far as like uh racial makeup? And did you find any adversity? Being that you were, because you were saying earlier, you were like the only Latino in that first unit. So what was the racial makeup like? And did you have any adversity? Did you have any struggles that you had to push through?
2: You know, I don't remember of any struggles uh, as far as, oh man, they don't fucking like me because I'm Mexican or whatever. I, I don't remember that, but I do. Rem- I mean, we used to talk shit to each other. Hey, fucking, hey, my Scott, fucking got some tacos. You know, I like, yeah. fuck you. you know? That's just normal. <laughs> like, <you> know, <laughs> yeah, That's the only sh- it was but it was just brotherly love you know talking shit to one another but i I, I never had any incidences where you know i felt like oh you know fucking they hate me because i'm fucking mexican whatever i i I don't remember that but the diversity you know i always saw um like i said i was always an infantry unit so it was you know we had a few black guys but they were there uh it was mixed, but again, we, we had no, I never worked with females until well, I think about it, until I went to the NCO Academy, but okay. I was never with women because we never had women in infantry units. Right. And um so I, I mean we were always, you know, fucking talking shit and cussing and motherfucker get your shit right now. I was that type of NCO. I was calm. Yeah. Like, we get to a point where fucking shit needed to happen, that's when dickhead came out. Right. We were, oh, I would, I would rock them. Trust me, I would smoke <laughs> the dog shit out of them
0: see
1: and i think that's another uh thing that's probably lacking nowadays people don't know how to flip the switch because i can be cool as f- like my soldiers thought i was bipolar as fuck porque one minute i'm digging in your ass and then the next minute I'm like all right man, let's go get some pizza and shit you know it's lunchtime you know what i mean and i'm <laughs> like what the fuck is wrong with chief you know <laughs> hey i mean when it's time to work it's time to work when it's time to play it's time to play <laughs> And in Korea, I'm sure you noticed this, that um, it's more of a unity there. Porque that's one thing I realized. I went to Korea back in 07. And um, I realized that those people that are there with you, that you're there with them 24 fucking hours a day, seven days a week for that year that you're there. Or extra if you stay longer. So there's no, there's only one strip in TDC. You know, you're going to bump into each other. You're gonna hang out with them, so there was that camaraderie that that unification was more was was tighter than it was stateside. So people knew work is work, play is play. So come Monday morning, there was no fucking issues, you know, like everybody hopping and popping again. So oh
2: yeah, I, I mean, if we had some issues, like some fucking real issues, oh we would handle it. You know, guys would go out and because I was on Hobie. yeah, we had a soccer field, and I remember sometimes. And even NCOs, they were having issues or problems with each other. Hey, let's, let's go to the soccer field and
0: fucking hate. Mm-hmm. Hey, let them
2: go by themselves. They would go back and solve their issues or whatever they had to do. They came back a little fucking fucked up. Yeah. Back to work.
1: Exactly. I don't know if that still happens nowadays, to be honest. I but, I mean, if you had an issue, if a doe and an NCO had an issue, take it behind the conics. You know, if it's that personal, take it behind the conics. Now, you as the NCO, you better not fucking lose. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I don't give a fuck if you got to grab some balls, twist and pull, but you better win because if that Joe whoops your ass, I'm sorry, but yeah. you will not be looked at as an NCO anymore. You're gonna be like that motherfucker that got his ass whooped.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah.
1: so yeah, man. Um, that's that's fucking awesome. Like, so at what point in in your career did you decide, or in your your military time, did you decide this is what I want to do for the next twenty one for twenty one years?
2: Cool man, that's a good question. I think when I was at Fort, uh, I'm sorry, Fort Carson. Okay. Cause after Korea, I went to Fort Carson. Uh, I was there in 90, 98 to 2001. Okay. And I loved Carson. Our, Carson was a great unit. I was in one eight infantry there. Okay. Uh, fight fighting Eagles. Oh, that uh, <clears throat> so I really loved that duty station. It was awesome. Um, That's when I knew, you know what, I I love doing this shit. By that time, I was a staff sergeant now. Okay. And so I I ran my own team. I was uh, the team chief, maintenance team chief. So, again, I had the most disciplined section always because we're always squared away. Uniform's Mm -hmm. tight. Fucking, I I, I never liked that. I remember, you know, some NCOs would be, oh, we're we're mechanics. So I was like, fuck no, we're fucking soldiers first.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. Ooh, you should have been a fucking field artilleryman. I'll tell you that right now. Because one thing that we took pride in was our fucking uniform, you know? And I honestly believe, if you ever hear any of my old podcasts, I rant and bitch about uniform standards so fucking much because I have, I'm a firm believer that I have in my mind a mental picture of what a soldier looks like. You know what I mean? In my mind, creased fucking pants, boots shined like yep. fucking mirrors squared away yep. if it's the beret make that beret look fucking squared away and i i hate the whole oh you know our uh, we do this job so we're gonna be looking shitty no guy you yep. have your monday uniform and you put that bitch on and then when it's time to get to work guess what you do you go to the latrine and you can switch out or you put your CBCs on top of that bitch you know yep. what i mean but you're not gonna look like a fucking shit bag in formation Fuck no! It, it but that Far went garbage. away with that new ACU. When the ACUs came out, forget it. BDUs went out yeah. the window.
2: ACUs came in, Shitbag. bag. Yeah, wash and wear. That's all they were. But um, garbage. Yeah, man. So, so Fort Carson, Fort Carson. I went to Fort Hood, Texas. <laughs> yeah. So I got to Fort Hood September. I think it was like September fifth of two thousand one. Okay. Damn. So. I got there and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go sign in there. So I get there and I remember standing there. I was, again, I was staff sergeant and I'm standing there and I remember the sergeant major. We used to call, or well, they used to call our sergeant major Pimp Niner.
0: What the and fuck? the
2: reason they called him Pimp Niner because he was this old black fucking sergeant major, man. He was, he'd always have a cigarette in his mouth and he walked with a limp. Mm. He was a sergeant major of, of soldiers. He was a sergeant major where if a fucking officer was fucking with a soldier, he would be, hey, come here, come here, officer, what the fuck are you doing? That's an NCO's job. Get the fuck out of here. You know, he'd be that type of sergeant major. And so I remember we're all standing there and, you know, you have all the privates and fucking and E-4s and below. And he goes. All you motherfuckers, go put your T 50 together. You're going to get the fuck out in the field now. Oh, you know. Shit. So they went and got some shit ready. He looks at me. He goes, what do you want to do? I was like, I want to go to the field with my guys. Yeah. So I, I went out to the field. I was there a couple days. And then next thing I know, I get a phone call. My mom was like, hey, they just bombed the uh, World Trade Center. I was like, what? And of course, you know, we used to have the TVs with the antennas out there. Yeah. Fucking turn it on. And that's when I saw the second one get, the second tower get hit. Oh, and I was like, shit. holy shit. I go, we're fucking going to war, man. Mm. And no shit. Uh, uh, radio call, net call, net call. Cease, oper- or cease movement. Everyone report to the talk.
0: Oh, so we
2: shit. all go to the talk. They were saying like, hey, wrap it up. We're going back to the rear. So we, you know, packed everything up, you know, tents and everything, whatever we had you Know loaded up the trailers. Okay, we started rolling back and you know, went through the wash rack, went to the motor pool, parked everything, and we were there till about midnight, man. Yeah. And you know, so the commander he gets us all together. And I remember, man, sitting there, and our commander's first words was like, Men, we are fucking going to war. He goes and like, some of you guys ain't gonna fucking come back. And man, those words man still gives me the chills right now. But yeah, and and to look around, you know, all these guys, everybody's faces are you know, I'm not going to say scared. Well, I guess you could say nervous. Yeah. And and nervous and ready. Right. Because we trained. You know, I've been training for fucking, I think I was already like in 10 years, I think it was. Yeah, I was already 10, 10 or 9 years. I forgot what it was. So, and in that moment, I was like, shit, man, this is it. This is game time. And I remember a couple of days later, they, uh, gave us the marching orders for, I was in first Cav and, uh, it was fourth ID and first Cav at Fort hood. Mm -hmm. Well, they stood us down and fourth ID went for the invasion. Okay. So we're like, shit. But I remember right after that, we started training six months. We went straight training. We went to NTC, we went to JRTC, we were just straight training, going field, 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 field.
1: Right. we are getting ready to roll out.
2: Oh yeah. And then by, I, th- I want to say it was like a year later. It was, uh, uh, no, no, no. They got their marching orders to Iraq in 2003. That's what it was. It was 2003. Uh, Fort ID left. We stayed there. And in 2004, we loaded up to go.
0: Yep. and then,
1: I replaced y'all. Oh when really? I, well, I didn't replace your unit per se, but, um, when I got to Fort hood, um, and I got to Fort hood in 05 in um, were you there in 05? Yes. Well, okay. When we came back. Okay. So check this out. The weekend I got there is the weekend that those Joes from first calf slammed into the wall by the tank.
2: Oh, I remember that. I remember that. They, I, re, I was there. I was in that. Um, well, I was at Fort Hood. At the, yeah. Because I remember they bent the or they like, they pushed in the bricks a little bit. Yep. I remember that. Shit yeah.
1: Right there off the Ransier Gate. That weekend. Yeah. That weekend that that happened was my first weekend in Fort Hood. I had just gotten there and um I still remember I was like, what the fuck? These guys just got here a few days ago from over there, went out drinking, partying, try to come up the fucking street, make turn into the rancier gate, didn't make it, slammed right into the fucking wall. Like God, God damn, and that's horrible, man. I mean, I remember seeing that we lost more fellas uh to the fucking roads out here than that we did out there. You know, it was fucking crazy, man. And um it was, it, it still, I still remember that to this day, like, fuck, and, um, that's when I found out I was going to, uh, to 4th ID, and, um, I was in 277 Field Artillery at, uh, 4th ID and Fort, um, it, right there in, in Hood, and, um, uh, but yeah, man, so, th- you guys, where did you end up deploying in, um, in, in Iraq?
2: Uh, we were in North Baghdad by Haifa Street, when it was a pretty, uh, high intense area, man.
1: Oh, yeah, uh, I what? what,
2: do you know what fob you were in? Five, well, we were FOB Headhunter, and then it became FOB Independence or some shit.
1: Yeah, we were, Um, in, I know Haifa Street. Well, um, we were in FOB Union 3 right inside of the green zone. However, we worked all the east side of Baghdad, right off of fucking, off of Route Wild, the fucking main artery, that fucking, um, that traffic circle that had like five different arteries that go in it right by the Tunnel of Love. Oh, my God, bro. We rode those streets like a champ, Chief. But we ended up um we ended up actually relieving 176. I'm sorry. We we replaced 176 FA out of um out of Fort Stewart, third ID. So they probably replaced y'all and we replaced them. Bit of, yeah, yeah, it
2: was wild, man. It was fucking wild. Well, was, I mean, it was crazy.
1: You got to go there, you know, where the ROE was. I'm still I'm guessing it's still pretty laxed out there.
2: So yeah, it was. Um, basically, uh, yeah, we saw it was. I think it was like the Madi Army. It was like the Green Band. They, they were fucking kill on sight. No um, shit. So what I did, I was recovery NCO. So whatever vehicle got damaged, whatever yeah. it was, I was the one that rolled out in my eighty eights to yeah. go get the vehicles. And I remember our first uh, mission. It was uh, they had a car bombing, and uh, four. Uh, it was four um, Delta Force guys got blown up. Oof. And so we had to go out there and remove the, the all the debris and the well the cars that were blocking roads and stuff. Yeah. So it was I, I was about to send out my E4 Lopez and Chavaria. And I could see their faces, man. And this, like I said, it was our first mission. So yeah. their faces were like, fuck, you know, I, I could I still remember to this day. And then I was like, I started feeling bad. I was like, fuck, fuck it. A leader does what he does, right? I said. Somebody, yeah, you're staying back. I'm fucking going in. Lopez, you're in the fucking drive. If anything happens to one of my guys, it's gonna fucking happen to me. Let's right. Hope. And you know, his face like lit up, like fuck yeah, let's fucking do it. You know. So went out there, did our thing, came back, um, and then my guys, all my guys, were like, fuck, I want to go next. I want to go next. You know, <laughs> I want to go yeah. see some shit. You know, but you know, it came to a point. I remember we were all like, you know fucking on high point just fucking scanning our sectors as we we're rolling out scanning scanning and i, I want to say about a month six we we're like fucking man.
0: yeah
2: if they fucking attack they attack they fucking kill us they kill us you know <laughs> yeah i i I, uh,
1: I completely understand that you know and what's crazy is that it's funny because that you mentioned that because um Yeah, you know, when you first get there, you're all fucking on your toes on eggshells, bro. I mean, like, you're fucking shit hot. And then, you know, after a couple of months in there, you you know, you get used to it. But that's what leads to motherfuckers getting killed and complacency. The complacency sets in. And unfortunately, that's what happened on our mission. It was my first mission going up from uh, Baghdad to Camp Taji. And uh, it was January 6, 2006, and we got fucked up. I mean, they fucked us up hard. It was their last mission, if not like second to last mission, and um, Damn. and they were going home, and we were doing the right seat, left seat rides, and uh, mm. we got hit with a uh, two EFPs that day, and um, the EFPs had just come out, and um, you know, people say, yeah, I can't wait to go see that shit. You know, I was one of those guys. Like, yeah, I can't wait till I go out there. You know, be on that top of the Humvee, be a gunner, da 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 da. It all sounds good until you fucking that first fucking boom, you know, then reality fucking hits, you know, and then you see one guy that you will never be able to save because his fucking throat was slit with the EFP. And then you have the other guy who literally was there one second, boom, Gone. gone the next, gone. All that was left was his fucking aid bag. And, you know, rest in peace, Arn Lopez and, um, and Doc Walker, you know, they gave their lives that day. And um, it was a horrible, horrible day. But a lot of the I heard a lot of people talking like it was the complacency that kicked in, you know, because they were already on that mind for I'm going home. You know what oh, I mean? Man. And, you know, that set my tone for the rest of my deployment. Like until my ass is on that bird in Kuwait, I'm not home. You know, right. even in Kuwait, you still got to be on, uh, uh, you know, just on guard, but not as much as in Baghdad. Baghdad's a fucked up place, you know, you know, so. Oh, hell yeah. Dude, how many deployments did you end up doing?
2: Actually, I did two deployments. Okay. My first one, again, was right there at uh, <clears throat> in the Haifa area. Second one, I was a, I went back in 2009. Okay. Um. Well, when I got back, let's say. Yeah. So when I when I redeployed two thousand four two thousand five I came back home or back to Fort Hood two thousand five I got selected to go to uh, Fort Benning. Okay. And so I went there. I was there for a year. I was uh, an instructor. Okay. And uh, I was in two infantry there. Okay. So I was an instructor. What was I doing? I was teaching uh, A not B uh IOBC officer basic training course. Okay. I was I was teaching them how to do. Uh, um, recovery operations, how to do a dash 10, blah, blah, blah. Right. And I was like, fuck, no, I want to go back. I want to fucking go back to Iraq. Mm-hmm. So I got orders back to Fort Hood.
0: And because <laughs> the first
2: there. cab was about to leave. Okay. I went back. When that, oh, I got promoted as E7 over there at Fort Benny. Okay. So I got back to Fort Hood. I go to fucking first cab, you know, my old unit. I said, hey, guys, I'm back. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going with you guys. So our major was like, one problem, because I ain't got no slots for e They're all full. I can't take them. Damn. And I was like, fuck. So I go to, I think I went to third ACR. Okay. Hey, I want to go back. They're like, we had no slots for E7s. Damn. And they were like, oh, yeah, you're going to have to go to the NCO Academy. So I get to the NCO Academy. You know what? You know how, like you said about any time that I I'd face uh, adversity. Yeah. Well, here's one. Here's one for you right now. So I go to the NCO Academy, and remember that uh, I forgot what that fucking building was called. You know, it was three stories right behind the Burger King on uh, Fort Hood's uh, on uh, First capside side. I don't know if you remember that area. They used to have Kong's classes the bottom floor and shit like that.
1: Fuck, I'm I'm trying to remember, dude. But
2: go, let's go ahead. Okay, so that's where the uh, the you know office was for the NCO academy. So I okay. walk in. Now remember, you know I come in. Now it's um, it's 2006. Okay. And I got my combat patch, I got my cab on. You know all this shit. Walking in, Seasoned motherfucking NCO. Yeah. And I look at the at the wall at all the cadres there. Look, all black. Oh, Maybe one white guy, one white uh, woman. Right. And, and some black women, but all the rest were black dudes. Mm-hmm. And so I walk into the Sergeant Major's office. She was black. Straight up told me just like this. I hate the fact that I got to take you. She told me straight out like that.
1: Damn. Yeah. Damn. Why? Yeah. Mom. Ah. Uh. Well, we could call a spade a spade on that one. Yeah, (laughs)
2: Yeah, exactly. And of course, most of the people there were none of them. I would say probably two people had combat patches.
0: Oh, Um,
2: and she didn't have one either. And I don't know what the fuck she was, but she was sorry.
1: Dude, you know, that that's that right there is shameful. When there's motherfuckers that hide out from deployments, that fucking irks me. When I was in Korea, there was a sergeant major there. Um. Never deployed, never fucking deployed. I forget the command sergeant major's name, but he was like, a, I want to say he was a sergeant major for, uh, for what is the 8th Army? And that motherfucker never left Korea, bro. He stayed there. He did the AIP, which we ended up calling the Avoid Iraq program, you know, so he could stay out there, you know, because they give you an, it's an army incentive program, I guess. You stay up there every three years. They give you extra money to stay there. How are you going to be a Command Sergeant Major and be light on the right, bro? But, hey, oh, no. different world back, you know, I guess now. It's okay. It's okay. What, I know that I, when I saw a motherfucker with a combat patch, at least I knew, okay, he can talk some shit. He's going to teach me yeah. something. Don't don't tell, come over to me with saying, like, oh, this is how, what war's going to be like. And you
2: ain't ever been there, guy. You know, come on yeah. now. <laughs> shit. Yeah, you know, it, and it was exactly like that because when, you know, I would watch. The um, the cycles. It, I think we had two week cycles. Yeah. For uh, for the who was it a WLC? I remember now. It went from PLDC to WLC. Right. Warriors lead of course. I thought it was fucking sorry, but anyway. And I remember sitting in class and watching this guy that didn't have a combat patch. And after like a break times or whatever it was, I remember soldiers coming up to me saying, "Hey, sorry, why is he teaching us when he doesn't? He hasn't been in combat." I was like, you know what? He's the NCO still. You still yeah. listen to what he's got to say, you know? But in the back of my mind, I was like, you're fucking right. You're fucking right.
1: You know what? So, Oh, I'm sorry. You just did something that I don't see anymore right now. And I talked about this on a previous podcast. I think you and I are on the same fucking wave. I saw this guy on TikTok. All right. The tickety talk. He's an NCO and he was talking shit about other ncos like i guess well so what ended up happening was he saw a bunch of joes talking shit about an nco and rather than going to fucking tell the goddamn joes watch your motherfucking cell don't talk about this nco he didn't correct it you know what i mean to me that's a fucking that's a teachable moment you go in there and you dig in no motherfucking soldier's ass right wrong or indifferent or what that nco is still a fucking nco you will respect that you know, and then you go to talk to the NCO. Hey, brother, we got to have a, t- a talk, man. These Joes are talking about you. We need to fix this. You know what I mean? But you correct the fucking problem because if you don't correct the standard, you just made a new standard. You know what I'm saying? So when I saw this NCO on a TikTok saying that, I'm like, why aren't you fucking fixing it, though? Why didn't you fucking go digging those soldiers' asses? That should have been what he was talking about. You know, or, yep. uh, You know, approach it that way. So I'm sorry, you just said something that, like, you 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 told the guys, hey, he's still an NCO, he's teaching, you're going to listen, you know what I'm saying? And in the back of your mind, yeah, though you, know, you might agree with them, but you ain't going to tell them that because then you're going to take away from the authority that this man has. Exactly.
2: Sorry, man. And sorry, Andrew, sorry, sorry, no, 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 on that good. one. No, 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 you're right, absolutely right. And that's the thing, man, because Joes should look at NCO or the NCO core mm-hmm. as like a fucking mafia. You fuck with one, you fuck with all, mm-hmm. and that was the problem. Too many fucking NCOs, man. I, I would catch them trying to be buddies, buddies, or and what used to piss me off. It, another thing was, and you know, I already told you who the most of the cadre mm-hmm. were. They were always fucking with the fucking females. I was like, stop that shit. I remember when I finally became a cadre. I got my little pen saying mm-hmm. I was a cadre. And the first fucking female, when I have got my first cycle, the first fucking female walked up to me with her fucking head You know, I pray grass and and the fucking knife. Mm-hmm. Operate hey, pretty. Hey, Yeah, I, I looked right in the fucking face with the fucking knife, and I go, listen, you're a fucking soldier and you're going to fucking act like a fucking soldier. Man, you're getting me back into the...
0: <laughs> and it. It.
2: listen, I'm going to treat you just like a fucking male. All right? So get the fuck out of my face and stop doing that bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know what the fuck I'm talking about. So of course you know they all stayed away from me, but when it was fucking time in motherfuckers were listening.
0: Mm-hmm. If they
2: fucking started sleeping and shit, hey, let's go talk outside. I would fuck that motherfucker <laughs> up. It
1: it I mean it, dude. It, it's it's what the army needs to come back to. You know, I yes. seen the army. It, I started seeing this on my way out. I got out in 2015. Um, I was med boarded, uh, so I didn't get out by choice. But um, right. fucking um. I'm happy I got out when I got out because I would be what they consider a toxic leader right now. Um, You know, my style of leadership wasn't the, the most popular, but I wasn't there to make friends. My mission was to make fucking soldiers and make cannoneers and make you the best fucking cannoneer you can be. You know what I mean? I sucked at PT. I will be the first to admit that PT was not my strong suit, but my strong suit was teaching. I can teach a fucking soldier, I will break that shit Barney style beyond belief. And the motherfucker will understand it. You know what I mean? And that might not have been the greatest fucking, I would not run a two uh 12-minute two-minute mile. I mean 12-minute two miler, but I will teach the dumbest fucking Joe that you gave up on how to shoot fucking artillery. I guarantee you that. You know what I mean? And oh yeah, but you know, we've gotten away from being in the business of killing. Which is our business at the end of the fucking day. Our business, is business of, yeah, is the business of killing and kill. And business was good, you know. But, um, you know, and when I got out, you know, uh, shit. Anyway, I, saw, I started noticing that the NCO core was breaking down. It was all about me, me, me. You know, the NCO core became the alpha a bit because it became I before you instead of we. But uh anyways, I can get into that shit. But anyways, um, did you see like um, okay, so let's continue with your your um how did how did you end up um uh, pushing through that? Like did you did you confront it? Did you talk to them or did you just say, fuck it, I'm chucking deuces and going back
2: to the line? Um I would talk to some of the other NCOs, but something happened. Um that shook up that NCO Academy, you were probably, I'm, I'm guessing you were probably there okay. Fort Hood in 2008, were you? I was already in Korea. Okay, well, you probably heard about this then. So one morning, um, my uh, company, because you had two companies, you had a Alpha Company and Bravo Company. Bravo Company, you know, we were uh, had a set of soldiers. Alpha had a set of soldiers. Okay. So anyway, we were tasked with running the land now. Oh, the guy that got lost. Yes. So I was in charge of that land map that day.
1: Oh, shit. Yeah.
2: So we did everything by the book, the way we're supposed to do it, everything. Um, you're given three and a half hours yeah. to go find all your points. I all four it points. points. I, yeah, was a four. I don't remember how many points, but so you had that time. You got to carry cell phones. Wow. And when I went through PLDC back in 95, there was no fucking, you were locked down for 30 days and you were fucking locked the fuck down here. Go ahead.
1: No, I was going to say, but the points are self-correcting as well, aren't they?
2: Yes, they are. I mean, all you have to do is fuck. I mean, yeah. It's I got you. Easy. And so we gave them the, you know, the safety briefing soldiers, or we call them sergeants. Mm-hmm. Hey, sergeants, listen. Yeah, three and a half hours. At three and a half hours, the course ends. If you didn't find your points, you are done.
0: Mm-hmm. You
2: can take the test again the next day. We'll bring you out of here. We're gonna retrain you, and you're gonna go on your own. Basically, right. we're giving the fucking answers. Right. You know, you're gonna go retrain. So they go off. It's hot. Don't get me wrong. It's hot. Fucking hot and humid. Mm-hmm. And some of the things that you know, we go walking around. Or I did at least. I, I walked around by myself. If I see soldiers, you know, something lost or something, I'm gonna be like, yeah. hey, soldier, what's going on? Or sorry what do you need help with? What can I do for you? You know, I can't give them the answers, but I can show them, hey, maybe uh you need a you know get your protracted ride, you know, whatever. Right.
1: Maybe you should shoot your azimuth this way.
2: <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know. So, you know, look at look at your terrain. Yeah. Look at the map. So I, I mean, again, it's surrounded by hardball, man. Fuck, it's easy. So anyway, let me get away from that.
0: Yeah.
2: Um. So three and a half hours is, ends. Now I do remember we had creeks running through the course. Right. And I remember I found, I found one sergeant laying in the fucking creek, I, he he was not like fucking around. He was like going right. off.
0: So oh, okay. I,
2: was, I told him I go. What the fuck are you doing? He goes. I'm cool enough. And I was like, smart. Yeah, <laughs> I can't, I you can't know, knock I, you for being smart, baby. <laughs> yeah, you know, fuck yeah. If he was burning up, fuck yeah. Fucking cool down, baby. You know, and then he went on his way. I said, Roger that, you know, keep going, man. It's mm-hmm. almost the end. So he went, um, man, we, you know, we just uh, put out the siren that the course is over. Okay. Okay. And it's normal. We always had stragglers. So what we did, we told them specifically when it, the time that you hear the siren, go to the hardball. Right. Stand on the side of the street and we'll pick you up. So what does it do? A Humvee drives around, picks everybody up, comes back. You know, we account for everybody. Or, you know, they're a self-leading school. You yeah. know, they have their own first sergeants and yep. all that bullshit. So, hey, what's the accountability? We're missing one soldier. Sergeant Prater. A sprayer, That's what his name is. Sergeant Sprader. We're like, okay. Call fucking Sergeant Sprater on the cell phone. He answers. My first sergeant's talking to him. Where are you at? I'm by a hardball. Stay on the hardball. Stop moving. Stay on the hardball. You're, you're done. Yeah. He's still talking. I can still do it. No. Stop. Stay on the fucking road. And phone goes off. Start calling it. Straight to voicemail. Voicemail. And I'm like, fuck. So, again, we go driving around. This time, all the NCOs spread out. Go through all the pushes. All yeah. the stuff. Can't find song sprayer. Gets nighttime. Still can't find song sprayer. Wow. We stayed out there till about oh man. I think it was probably about eleven at night. Uh, finally, we took all the, the 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 students in. Um, got back up. Or I slept for like three hours. Got back up at five. Came back to the uh, land nav site. This time we had. Uh, um, the, the fucking the prison the guards prison guards yeah. with dogs with dogs and squads and shit right they went out looking for this guy we went out looking for this guy walking around Sarge Brader, nobody
0: you know we had
2: uh, people remember that black sergeant major that was always running you, I don't know if you remember him
0: not
1: sure but it probably I, I'm not sure bro could have been my sergeant major that was always running. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, anyway, he said, hey, I saw that individual. I asked him, hey, you okay? Need any help? And he just kept walking. He didn't answer. So we figured by the time we talked to him that he was already kind of delirious. Right. You know? From the heat. So, yes. So basically, we couldn't find him. We couldn't find him. And this was on a Friday, I believe. Didn't find him that whole weekend. And on, on Monday, they finally found him. And the way they found him, they could smell him. Oh Yeah, so but the crazy thing is man, so we, we had platoon locations, and this kid was dead in the bushes like 100 meters away. So it was like fucking weird, but it is what it is. And so they found him dead. They started an investigation mm-hmm. And at first it was they, they uh, found the unit at fault because he was only there for a month from uh, Korea. Okay. so he didn't get climatized. He didn't know the area, you know, blah, 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 blah. They cited um, the unit himself and and then us. Wow. So, what pissed me off here, there comes fucking part two here. Mm -hmm. This shit gets blown up on CNN, all this shit. So, they get rid of the general, gets rid of that investigating team, gets his own investigating team, and guess what happens? Mm -hmm. They found the fucking NCO Academy at fault. They interviewed us. I had to go fucking talk to the, um, uh, what are those fuckers? They investigated. Uh, CID. Uh, CID. CID. I had to give my testimony, you know, or I had to go through an interview, man. And they fucking, that was like crazy, like a criminal and shit. We were like, yeah. hey, you know, we did everything by the book. You know, what can we do? That I mean, alone right there
1: would have caused me to fucking want to leave the army. Because that just shows me <laughs> the army does not give a fuck about me. You know, it's not your fault that, you know, rest his soul, but the dummy didn't have fucking enough hydration. One, secondly, I mean, I just if you can't read a fucking map, that's basic fucking soldiering right there. Basic fuck, that's on his unit because before I went to WLC, I went to WLC in Camp Jackson, not in Korea. That bitch was a month long and this was an 08 and um, it was March of 08. I still remember it perfectly. And my chief told me, he was my was the second Chief, Sergeant Aguayo. He said, um, look, uh, Special Lopez. Oh, no, I was sorry by then, I think. Yeah, I was sorry. Look, Sergeant Lopez, I'm not going to send you to motherfucking WLC to go learn. You should already know what you're going there for. You're just going there to learn how to fucking do counseling statements and do the admin shit. The rest of the soldiering skills, you should already have that read a fucking map too easy get a protractor you're fucking artillery you know how to read azimuth you know what i mean you know how to deck it so i mean that he so that's on the unit right there i completely agree that's on a unit you know because they should be sending motherfuckers that are already ready to be at the level of being leaders so i just don't and then like you said i mean if it's surrounded by hardball How do you get lost? I never did the land, nav course, in the hood, so I can't really speak to it. But if I didn't get lost in Korea and that mountain is as terrain. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's a bunch of fucking reference points out there. I was stationed in Fort Hood. So, fuck. It's unbelievable. But I mean, so when they found y'all at fault, did you end up getting like a fucking GoMar or something for that shit? Yep. Sure the fuck did. But
2: so, you know, remember that song I told told you about? Yeah. um, okay, so when we started getting investigated, her ass went and got a fucking lawyer and started calling, saying it was a racial thing. I was like,
0: (laughs) of course.
2: (laughs) And it was like, you know, I had nothing to to hide. I didn't fucking go fucking, oh man, I'm going to get in trouble. No, I was like, fucking I did the right thing. I I can't blame me. I can't. And so I got some I, I, this is another thing that I did find out while I was in the army about politics. Okay. When that shit hit CNN and like that, and I had, you know, a lot of great people that I worked for. Hey, man, I need a fucking uh, character statement from you. Oh, man, you know, I really don't want to get involved with that shit. I was like, you son of a bitch. Motherfucker. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, man. Brother,
1: you are preaching to the choir. I mean, Again, we've had this conversation before with another one of my homeboys. My co-host Urena, he's um he does the um the midweek memo with me because I do two episodes a week. But um when I, mean, I had this conversation how when you need somebody to give you a character statement, they don't want to fucking you know tarnish their fucking name, their
2: reputation, yep. Yeah,
1: because they're trying to help you out. But like, oh, you know, what kind of a fucking friend are you then? You know what I mean? You know, you're a fucking fair weather friend. Do you not have faith in me that, you know, that's bull and that's fucked up right there? Cause that, you know, especially if it's somebody like you, you emulate it or somebody that you came up with and you considered a brother and then they're just going to do you
2: dirty like that. God <laughs> yeah, yeah. damn, bro. Yeah, that was crazy, man. And, and oh. that's when I learned a lot, man. I learned a lot about people and learned about, you know, Hey, you know, be careful for who you, uh, you know, call a brother. Yeah. You know? so, fucking A. so again, so we went through the investigation and it came towards the day where you know we all had to go to see the general.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: I walked in there and I told him he asked me, What do you think he deserved? I go, I deserve nothing. You know, it was the guy's fault. He, he couldn't, you know. Fucking goddamn it, man. He he was not ready for that shit. But the problem is we push leaders too fast through training. When they ain't fucking ready to be there, you know. And basically, he didn't like what I said, so he gave me a fucking general letter, letter of reprimand. It was a fucking council statement.
1: You know what kills me is you're hitting it on the head as far as like what I believed happened with the leadership um in the NCO Corps itself was that too many motherfuckers were pushed through to become sergeants because they needed them, and. They uh, they had their time in in service and time in grade, so were, like push them through. Fuck that! I made sure yes. on paper I had it like if a motherfucker is I don't care how much time in grade he had or how much time in service if the guy was garbage. Well, not, I'm not gonna say he was garbage. If the guy was not leadership material, I'm not gonna send him to be a sergeant because as a sergeant, you. You got to be a pit bull and you got to know how to fucking train. You got to know how to fucking get a goddamn soldier's attention, keep it and have them retain the information you're giving them. You know, you're in charge of these kids. You know what I mean? You're in charge. And I seen one too many E5 sergeants that had no business at all having stripes. Sergeant Hardaway, I'm sorry if you're hearing this. I, I call motherfuckers out. Sergeant Hardaway, you had no business at all having stripes because this character, they gave him stripes for on Korea. He came over to us in Carson. This dude, we're getting ready to go to, um, to, to Afghanistan. And he's like, wait, we might die? Well, no fuck no. I, you know we're at war, right? You know, and no. No, no, no. And, uh, yeah, that was a product of fucking pushing fellas too quickly. And all they did at the board was what? What is the AR for uniforms? Fuck that. You know, tell me, how do you fucking fill a radio? You know, talk me through what your job is. You know what I'm saying? Fuck. Tell me sports. Fucking give me sports, it! Don't just regurgitate. You know, don't just regurgitate an AR or FM. Talk me through fucking your job, you know, situational shit. What is a complex fucking ambush or a complex attack? Talk to me through that shit. You know what I mean? That's where I want to see it. Not in, Mm -hmm. oh, oh, the Uniform Code of Military Justice, Article 15, punitive. Fuck that, man. Anybody can read a fucking book and regurgitate it.
2: Exactly. That's the point. We're all fucking paper NCOs rather than motherfucking goddamn hands-on, man.
1: Preach it. Preach it. Oh, man. Dude, we haven't even started the tip of the iceberg on this fucking podcast. So let's fast forward a little bit, man, Uh, because we're going to be here and have to do a part two, part three, part four and fucking. Um, but yeah, dude, um, tell me about you. You went through all this, um, these issues. And then 20 year 21 comes up and what makes the decision of all right. Scott needs to go home and hang his boots up. What made the ultimate
2: decision for you? So it was a multiple of things. Um, I would say um, probably the majority or the main one was uh, president Obama. Okay. And I didn't like what he was doing to my army. You were getting, uh, you know, certain people into leadership positions. I should not get back to what I was saying. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I had a lot of anger issues at that time. You know, my PTSD was really, really, really kicking up. Yeah. I was, uh, I was empty, man. I, I was becoming empty. Uh, my tank was becoming empty. Right. I, you know, I remember uh, an officer told me one time, you have a Neanderthal leadership. I remember he told me that. Okay. And I do remember this, but I was that one fucking E7. That the first son would call and goes, "Hey, I'm going on leave. Uh, you're going to be the acting first son." Hey, we need this mission to happen. Go get money style Hey, you're right. going to be, you know, running the shit. You're going to be the acting sergeant major when fucking when everybody else is gone. Why? Because I fucking made shit happen. I wasn't fucking afraid. I was yeah. making shit. You know what? It used to piss me off too. I used to have soldiers from other sections come see me because they were late to formation. I was like, "Where the fuck is your NCO?" Well, he sent me to come see you. Okay, well, let's fucking do this. Mm. Go grab the fucking uh, five-gallon jugs. Fucking grab two, start running the fucking place. Mm-hmm. I would smoke the dog shit out of these guys. But, again, so I was I was done, man. I was empty, and when I went and put in my papers this when I had to go walk in to the fucking mental health, I was fucking crazy. I was fucking – had anger issues again. I was fucking – I was always pissed off. I was always like fucking banging the noises, fucking, it was just crazy. And my marriage was kind of fucking up already, drinking a lot. So I went to go see mental health, walked in, I go talk to a psychiatrist, no, no more than a, I would say two minutes. This motherfucker asked me, hey, uh, he tells me, remember these three things, tells me them, I only remembered fucking one. He goes, oh, you have severe PTSD? Here's some medication. Uh, come see us in a month. I was like, that's it? <laughs> wow. I love <lost> the spirit. <laughs> I wow. was like, are we supposed to like talk about this? Right. Something? That, that was it, man. So I walked out of there. And then I started taking medication. Now I felt like a fucking zombie. So I dropped my paperwork. I retired or put my paperwork. I think I retired in like six months after that. Um, But that's when the shit really started. On my way home, I do remember you know being excited, thinking that all kinds of people are gonna be fucking lined up to hire me. You know, why not? I was a fucking sergeant first class, I was a platoon sergeant, Mm -hmm. I had 73 men that worked for me. Mm -hmm. Fucking in fact, that year I got best motor pool in the United States Army. No shit. Yeah, Yeah, I was one of the NCO, yeah. Um as a platoon sergeant. So anyway. So I was like, fuck, why wouldn't they? I was. Fucking in charge of so much equipment, blah, blah, blah. Everything was good on paper. But the thing is, they didn't know who I am. Right. So when I got home expecting emails, phone calls, all these things, throwing in resumes, nothing. And then I started questioning my accomplishments. I started questioning who I was. And worst of all, I started questioning my fucking Mm worth. So when that started happening, of course, I started going into a depression started drinking a lot, marriage was going to shit. It it was just, I started feeling sorry for myself. I was fucking in the dark place, man. Fucking very dark place. And that's when I started uh, thinking, you know, why am I here? What am I doing, man? I I cannot, I cannot, you know, transform into the civilian. All I know is fucking army. All I know is fucking military, how to do, you know, have a mission, fucking complete the mission, but see, I was fixing everybody else's problems, but never fucking fixing my shit. Right. Because I was so busy fixing everybody else's. But anyway, so I got into this deep depression. I got to this. Uh I went through like five jobs in like two years, you know. Um, so suicide of course came up, and I was like, Man, you know what? Fuck it. It's gonna be- fuck it. I got nothing else, man. I ain't got fucking nothing else. So on the day where I, you know, was really, really thinking about this, I get a fucking phone call. It's divine intervention, man. <laughs> I get a phone call. It was a school, uh, a friend of mine that was a teacher or is a teacher. Yeah. Hey, hey, Ernie, man, can you please come to my students? Because they were high risk students, a dropouts yeah. and shit like that. Same thing I was. So I was like, man, you know, something kept telling me you're gonna go. So. All right, man, I'll I'll go do it. Hang up. I go over there. And when he calls me up, hey, I got a guest today. Uh, He served in the army, blah, blah, blah. And then when I stood in front of that fucking classroom and I looked at those students, I saw me when I was a kid. I saw that kid that was scared, that kid that didn't believe in himself, that kid that wanted to hear somebody say, hey, you can be whatever you fucking want to be in this world. You just fucking got to go after and put the fucking work in. You know, I, I, I needed that shit as a kid. Yeah. And I saw those faces and I saw the same shit. I saw me. So in that moment, man, I felt peace. I felt fucking I like I belonged. Yeah. In front of those people. Yeah. And the fucking best of all, I fucking felt my worth again. So in that moment, man, I told him my story. I told him how I went through all the shit. You know, I started at five years old. I went through it. But the first thing I said, don't fucking or don't feel sorry for me. I was talking with no cuss words. (laughs) You know, don't feel sorry for me. Learn from me. Nothing can stop me in this world but you. Once you make that decision to be the victim, you're going to stay a victim. Yeah. Once you become that victor where you can overcome rather than live in fear or live as everything or everyone owes you because what you've been through. Ain't nobody going to come save you but you. You know, I, I gave that speech and, and, man, these kids were like, hell yes. And so one, you know, one uh, hand goes up and I had this uh, student ask me, what is, what is a veteran? And no shit, man. In that moment, I look back at all my accomplishments and there was one thing that stood out. And this is part of my speeches. Yeah. that I do now. It's called Son Chatham. Um. It, You know, he was in my unit. In fact, I met Son Chatham at Fort Benning. One morning, we did PT together. Yeah. And, of course, I was that fucking NCO, that fucking, you know, pile chest motherfucker. Yeah. I was like, all right, we're going to go on a five-mile run, you know. I'm going to smoke this motherfucker. Mm -hmm. So me and Son Chatham take off running. You know, we're going. And this fucking dude staying up with me, and I'm like, damn, you know. And then there's this hill at Fort Benning called uh, Cardiac Hill. Okay. Because it's it's steep. It breaks a lot of people's hearts, man. You see people like go off to the side. But anyway, <laughs> me and him, me and him, and we're going fucking rolling up that damn thing. And he's staying up with me, and I'm like, shit, never back down, man. <laughs> so we get to the top. We get finished our PT. I go, hey man, I'll, I'll meet you up at the motor pool. All right. We get to the motor pool. I'm sitting there already. He walks in. You know, I see him limping, and I'm like hey, man, you all right? And he goes, ah, my leg's bother me. And I'm like, ah, you want me to go get some tissues, man? He's <laughs> like, ah. He was like, go fuck yourself, man. <laughs> so no shit. This fucker sits right in front of me, lifts up his pant leg. Fucking Sergeant Chatham was fucking, uh, he had a prosthetic leg.
1: Oh, no shit.
2: Oh no wow. shit. Oh no fucking shit. So this guy, he told me, oh, man, yeah, you know, a year or so ago, I was uh, ambushed. RPG went through his Bradley, blew his leg clean off. And he said, man, you know, I had to go home. I had to learn how to walk again. I had to learn how to be a father again, husband, you know, doing all these things. He goes, I never felt sorry for myself. And uh, and then he tells me how, you know, going through all this stuff, he he had to do it, you know, Uh, again. You know, and then when I told that story to that student, I was like, not once did he feel sorry for himself. He went through all that shit. Yeah, and That's what a veteran is. That's what we do, man. We're trained to overcome. We're trained to conquer. We're right. not trained to fucking retreat, man. And that's what a lot of us got to remember. Out there, I'm talking to all my veterans, brothers and sisters. Mm. We are fucking warriors, man. Stop looking at the shit that you can't do and start working on yourself to build yourself for what you can fucking do
1: facts bro i'm sorry you know the moment you were saying um, that he had a prosthetic leg you know where my mind went that he had a fucking unfair advantage because his leg didn't get tired so he had an <laughs> unfair advantage
0: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: see that's the fucking mentality that we have in the military we have this dark humor you know what i mean yes we do. And, and that's what helps us fucking cope and deal with what we do and um Dude, uh, one of the things that really touched on that you really um, spoke to right now is it's, I think, one of the, the difficulties that a lot of military members have coming out of the military, myself included. And it's finding that purpose again. What is our purpose? You know, because for all these years that we were in, we had a structure. We had a reason to wake up, whether it was PT whether it was fucking taking Joe and having their days fucking outlined to what was gonna happen. We knew there was an end state and we knew what to get, what, what, what it took to get there. Now, here in the civilian sector, you know, a lot of Joes, especially nowadays, need to realize uh, the civilian sector don't give a fuck about a DD 214. They don't <laughs> give a shit. They don't give a shit if you got fucking 1-1 on your NCOER. Uh, among the best promote ahead of peers. They don't give a shit. You know what I mean? They don't. You know, so it's hard to find that fucking that worth in yourself. Whatever you did and you accomplished in the military, they don't give two shits about CIB, CAB. They don't know what the fuck that is. You know, in the mm-hmm. army, in the military. Hell yeah. Good shit out here. What the fuck's I got to do with the fuck we're doing? Not a damn thing. So it was hard for me coming from being in the field artillery To come out, and I, you have to humble yourself. You have to humble yourself, man. I started in a call center, working in a call center, you know, taking claims, you know, uh, for car accidents. And I went from, damn, leading soldiers to taking phone calls. What the fuck am I doing with myself? And, yeah, man, the thoughts, they were there, bro. Same thoughts. Alcohol? Oh, yeah. Uh, I've been three years sober now, you know. Thanks, brother. And I mean, I took hard to alcohol because I wanted to drink. It's going to sound weird, but I drank to feel again, to get a sense of feeling. The only problem is when I started drinking, I couldn't stop drinking and I started feeling too much. And that would lead me into the rabbit hole of like, what the fuck? You know, these motherfuckers died out there. I'm still here. What am I doing with my life? You know, why is my life better? I started going through survival survivor guilt. You know what I'm saying? So I went through that shit hard. And um eventually I started doing this shit here. Um this podcast. I've been doing that for a year and some change. And this has filled that void of purpose. You know what I mean? So yeah, it might be a small audience, but even I love getting the text or the messages saying, hey, chief, thanks for that last podcast, man. It was really good. You know, it made me feel like I was back on the gun line again, just talking shit, just to forget about the world for a minute, you know, and just to connect again with my veteran friends. I'm fucking have if one person listens to the podcast, I'm still fucking doing it because that person yeah. is getting something out of it. And my I feel like I have purpose again. So I think that's what you ended up getting out of that. That going to that class gave you that purpose again. And your purpose was not, it's twofold because your purpose is giving other people purpose. So I mean, dude, how fucking badass is that shit, man? I mean, yeah, man. Dude, I mean, you get to see yourself in their shoes, in that seat, letting them know, hey, I was there at one time where you're at and I made myself something. You know what I mean? That's, I mean, dude, to me, there's nothing more awesome than that. Yeah, you know, they, I, they, I applaud it.
2: Yeah, thanks, Ben. But, it, you know, I'm telling you. And, you know, going back to what you said, you know, a lot of veterans, they, they lose their purpose, they lose their mission. But here's the thing. Remember I was talking about you know, we still have an opportunity. We still have a choice after yeah. something that happens. Now we wake up, right? We wake up every day and there's going to be one, you know, it's going to come to an end. But on that day, you wake up, you got to wake up feeling grateful for a fuck another day. You got to be grateful for another fucking opportunity. Now that opportunity is on you. Yeah. What are you going to do with that opportunity? What are you going to do with that day? Are you going to fucking sit there and dwell on it? Or are you going to fucking stand up and fucking maximize it? You know what I'm saying? Nope, yep. Bro. And go ahead. You, you can be there being fucking negative. Oh, man, I have to go do that. I have to go do that. You know, shut the fuck up. You get to go do that shit, man. Look at how many brothers and sisters we fucking lost over there. We fucking got to live for them.
0: Yep. yep.
2: You fucking pick, pick up the baton of fucking life and fucking make some goddamn shit happen. If you need a purpose, look in the fucking mirror. That is your purpose. And build that person. We are fucking trained to fucking move. We're mm. not trained to fucking dwell. We fucking create action, man. We, yep. we adjust. We fucking flank. Fucking conquer it. Go after it. You know, fucking attack the hill. You know, remember that shit?
1: Bro, here's the way I look at it. You know, you're a fucking soldier. You know, that, that used to mean something. That means that you can fucking take anything and push through it. No matter the consequences, you're going to fucking go forward. You know, you're a soldier. That's what def- that's what makes you different in the civilian sector. I'm not saying we're better. I'm saying we're different. We're built different. We're mentally, we're different because we're capable of fucking pushing through. And with that said, I love what you just said, bro, because it reminds me of this one phrase that has always stuck with me. My soldiers that came up under me, they know it. There's two types of people in this world, the motherfuckers that watch shit happen and the motherfuckers that make things happen. Which one are you going to be? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I got that from my old first sergeant, first sergeant, Kippy Samuel. I remember that motherfucker. He's doing low Lopez, there's two types of motherfuckers in this world. I'm sure you can guess what his race is. There's motherfuckers that watch shit happen and motherfuckers that make shit happen. Which one are you? Bro, that stuck with me for the rest of my fucking life. And it's sticking with me through it, you know, because I refuse to be a motherfucker that watches shit happen and then just talk shit about it. I'd rather be the motherfucker that tries to do things. And you know what? With that, I mean, you're pumping me up right now, dog. It it makes me want to tell people, check this out, y'all. Try it out. And if you fail, fuck it. Guess what? Don't look at it as a failure. Look at it as a learning opportunity because you learned not to do that shit again. You know, yeah,
2: it's, it's, it's all about how you deal with failure, bro. Fail, failure, failure is part of life. Failure is mm-hmm. a fucking part of the process becoming successful.
1: Yeah. Don't be afraid to fail. Now, don't make it a habit. You right. know, obviously you got to learn from it and make tweaks and changes. Learn from it. Use your intelligence, you know. But I mean, dude, we can go on forever on this. Let me ask oh, you something, bro. Um, Let me ask you like this shit that's going on in Afghanistan, you know, there's a lot of fucking brothers and sisters out there that we have that are definitely, you know, um, feeling some kind of way, you know, myself included, like I said, um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm confused. I've said this a couple of times already before on the other podcasts. I'm kind of confused because I'm happy that this shit is over with the G the global war on terror. It's quote unquote over with. However, I'm pissed off at the way that it was handled and I know today I went to the VA center here um, in San Antonio at Tejeda, and I was talking to a brother there, and he's like, dude, it's it's fucked up. You know, he's like, I got blown up over there. I got shrapnel in my body, you know, and I, I'm i fucking pissed because I feel like it was worthless for nothing now. You know what I mean? So how, what do you say to somebody that's in that situation?
2: You know, I wanna say this, we went over there, we did our job and we did it great, we came home. What's happening right now, this this is happening because of the things our leadership in the military is concentrating on, fucking about race, about equality, all these fucking things, but guess what? We're losing the focus on our mission of being war fighters. And that's the fucking problem. Our leadership is focused on other things rather than the real shit, the real things that matter. Security, leadership in the fucking field. You know, that shit should have been secured. Whatever they, you know, when they were pulling out, they should have pulled everybody out, all the civilians out of there, pulled them out, had security there. Once we got everybody in the secured area, got them out of there, and then we pulled everybody out. Mm. That's what I don't understand either, man. I'm, I was so pissed off yesterday after the 13 that were killed. I was fucking mad. But again, you know, we did our thing, but we got to keep our emotions in check. Right. We still got a mission at, at home. We got to take care of us, and we got to take care of our families. That's our mission now. We have guys there that got to do their mission. Right. You know, we all wish that we can go and fucking throw down. But that's not our job right now. Our job is to take care of our families. And trust me, I'm if they fucking said, hey.
0: Goddamn. And it froze.
1: Goddamn, damn, damn. I'm feeling some dead air. Hey, you froze up, brother.
2: Am I good now? I come yeah, back?
1: you're good. You're good to go now. So you said um, we all want to be there. If they told you to go, that's where you froze.
2: Okay, if they told me to go, fuck yeah, I'd be on the first first bird out there. But you know, the thing is, we have a mission, man. And focus on that mission. And all we can do is fucking vote, man. Let's vote with fucking logic. Let's vote with fucking smarts rather than voting for, for emotions. Because this is what happened. People voted with emotions on this one. And look at what we're facing now.
1: Yeah, um, I'm 100% with you on this one, brother. Um, I was not a fan of the orange man, all right? I'm not going to lie. I voted for him. I did vote for Trump. I did because either him or Hillary, I'm going to vote Trump, you know? And um, even though I'm usually, I would have gone third party, but I wanted Trump just for shits and giggles. But fucking, um, I really thought that he was going to do something, you know? But was he the greatest president? No. Was he presidential? No, but would I rather have him as opposed to fucking the, the puppet that we have right now? Oh, a thousand times. Oh, a few mean tweets. Oh, shit. You know, oh, he's racist. No, he's not. Um, at least in my opinion. No, he's not. I, I'm not a fucking uh, red-pilled like my boys are, some of my boys. And that's cool. Hey, whatever your affiliation is, cool. You know, I'm dead center, leading to the right. But um, dude, the leadership that we have, what leadership, what leadership exactly. do we have there? You know, it's, it's, it's non-existent. It's non-fucking. Now don't get me wrong. There's a lot of motherfuckers out there that were higher paid grades than me that make those decisions. But as a, the NCO in me, the NCO in me is like, what the fuck happened? I mean, honestly, where, where's the, where's the thought process in just fucking pulling everybody out? You know, that's a butter bar mistake. You know, that's not a general mistake. That's a butter bar mistake. I mean, mm-hmm. dude, you let the fucking Taliban control the outer cordon? Are you serious? You think they're not going to be like, hey, come on in, brother. You know, go go blow a couple of them up, you know, for the good old days. For the good times. And yeah, it's, it's, it, it's, horrible. Ass, man. It's, it's horrible. It's horrible. And, you know, and for a lot of veterans out there and a lot of active duty cats as well, you know, it's hard. Why would I want to stay in this type of military? Why would I want to continue to serve, you know, under this type of fucking leadership, quote unquote leadership, you know, I'm not the type to point fingers, you know, but like he said, the buck stops here. All right, motherfucker. The buck, the bucks now eat your fucking words, guy. Eat your fucking yeah. words. Oh man, we're gonna get political on this, but dude, <laughs> I, um, let's. We're gonna have to end this with short, brother, because I need to have you again. I need to have oh, you yeah. again.
2: And um, where can people find you at? So you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on uh, YouTube. Ernie Mariscal, E Mariscal ninety. I also have a website. I sell uh, t-shirts. They're um, keep up the fight apparel now. The reason I came up with this, you'll see, look at it. It's a Spartan, a fucking warrior. And around that is the uh, Aztec calendar. 365 days of being a fucking warrior. So I created this and this is how I did it. You know, just one day I just closed my eyes and I thought of myself as, as that warrior, that one that could defeat whatever is in front of me. And when you do that, man, you could do that, you know, right now or whenever you get time, do that. And just feel that, that strength, feel that power. And every time you face adversity, think of that same shit again. And that's the way my shirts do. And then I have uh, motivational quotes. Like on the back, I have the logo again. It says, keep up the fight. Cause you know, that's what I always talk about. After every speech, I'll say, keep up the fight. I do videos weekly, you know, three times, uh, three times weekly, I only did one this week because I've been pissed off about shit going on. Right. Um, you know, and, and the main thing is, we always, like I said, we gotta mission, gotta take care of ourselves. Our mental health is fucking very important in this life. But yeah, so I have shirts that are inspirational. They'll, I'll have some other stuff like mindset. I will have prepare to win. You know, is there um, a website? Yes. Uh, so it's www.keepupthefightapparel.com.
1: All right, I'm gonna make sure. Um, send me the link. I'm gonna go ahead and put it onto the you onto the Facebook. So we can go ahead and plug that shit there. How did you come up with the quote, keep up the fight?
2: I got to keep up the fight when, actually, when I was in Korea. So our motto, our, our unit slogan was keep up the fire. So when I got out, I've always, I always remembered. that was one of my, you know, awesome units. Yeah. When I retired, you know, I was always telling these veterans, you know what? We need to keep up the fight in life, man. Yeah. And then that just took off from there. And that's why I always kept it now.
1: Dude, it's funny you say that. Um, because I was in First Fifteenth Field Artillery, so we're tight with one nine. Um, out there, uh, oh, fucking manchu motherfuckers. So, or was it two? Whatever the fuck they were, but um, dude, um, keep the fire. That was um, was it keep the fire? Or keep keep up the fire. Up, keep up the fire. Yeah. Oh man, dude, it it has been awesome, Ernie. I want to have you on here again. And, yeah, any time. and I mean, this has been fucking great. Um I, I I can't tell you. I God does not put shit in people's paths for no reason. You know what I'm saying? Amen, so, man, brother. This is gonna touch somebody, it's gonna get to somebody. Y'all make sure y'all go check out fucking um what is it again? Keep uh, up the
2: fight apparel.com.
1: Keep up the fight apparel.com. Y'all make sure y'all go find Ernie Mariscal um at whatever fucking social media. I'm gonna plug it on all the fucking Facebook. And I want y'all, man, to do what this man says, and that's keep up the fucking fight. How is there Ernie? Keep up the fight. Keep up the fight, y'all. And with that being said, I appreciate y'all being here. Round's complete. Animation. a mission, Gun come line come.
0: out. Bye, motherfuckers.